breakfast. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Hey, always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Life's a piece of shit. When you look at it, life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. Come on, boy, cheer up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Diatribe. Today is the 7th of April in the year 2020, currently 9.05, and looks like it appears there would be a storm outside. I heard there would be some hail today. Hopefully it's not that loud. Uh, regardless, today we have one topic, the main topic being space exploration, and our secondary topic being accents. We were talking a little bit about it before the show. We talked about different uh, vocal intonations between, you know, my place, which is southeast Michigan, and her place, which is northern Michigan, very northern Michigan. In fact, so far north, it's its own peninsula. Uh, 
First thing I must actually remind you to do is like and subscribe to the Daily Diatribe. Things I actually remember to do this time. I'm very organized today. Very uncharacteristic. Don't get used to it. Uh, so I'd like now to welcome my co-host, Red. As always, operating from the wintry Great North that we know as the Upper Peninsula, which is actually north of 80% of Canada's population. Woo! <laughs> Enthusiastic as always. I'm pretty sure that's true, by the way, because almost all of Canada's major cities are, like, below the... Yeah, there's, like, the little, like, down part with, like... Look, I'm really bad at geography, but I think Toronto is there? Toronto's on the... What? I think... Yeah, that sounds about right. Look. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto is down there. Toronto is south of you. Uh... Windsor is south of you. There's a reason I've never gotten higher than 80% on the geography test. Well, I guess we're learning a lot tonight. And then <laughs> and then the other uh, thing, obviously, is, you know, space. I wanted to talk about this for a specific reason. I remember in the first half of this year, you know, back when things were normal, I had a very enthusiastic planetary astronomy teacher who told me that if you gave him $10 trillion, that he would be able to colonize the moon and Mars within the next seven years. So this is interesting, is he actually explained this to me, is that we actually do have the technology to colonize other planets, we just don't have the money. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes sense, because he explained it to me in this term. Think about it. Columbus wasn't doing anything new per se. They had always had boats, they had always had sails, and they had had the, uh, uh, what are they called? The, the three-sided sails, the, the try-something sails. I should have known this. I needed to know this. No, I needed to know this for a push, but I forgot. But regardless, that was last year. Uh, Yeah, but they had these sails uh, that helped them follow the trade winds. They had had those for quite a while. So Columbus, you know, could have done that. Uh, You know, other Columbuses could have done it first. And so it's kind of the same way. It came because the money was there. He got the funding from the monarchs. And so that's kind of what we need today. We need some ultra-rich people, Elon Musk, uh, to really care enough about uh, space exploration in order to give it kind of that monetary boost. But as rich as Elon Musk is, he does not have a trillion dollars. The richest person in the world, Mr. Jeff Bezos, Bezos. who has $113 million, or $113 billion, Billion. sorry, (laughs) which is just a little bit over a tenth of a trillion dollars. So he almost has a tenth of a tenth of what we need to start colonizing space. So. the top of 100 richest people in the world all pooled their money together. They would I still think. they would still only have 80% of the funds. You actually looked it up? No, because I remember in Forbes today, it was talking about how much money the rich have lost during this crisis. And the top something like 500 rich people in the world combined have a net worth of $8 trillion. Which, mm-hmm. still not enough to colonize the moon and Mars in the next 10 years. So I'm sorry. Uh, but regardless, what's really going to make the difference when it comes to space exploration is that the technology from this era becoming cheaper in the next. So yeah. that, that's when real technological change hits, is that when last, you know, decades really cool cutting edge stuff becomes normal. That's See, when you get real is, progress. Um, I, like, I have two incredibly irrational phobias, and one of them is space travel. <laughs> One of them is space travel. I thought you were going to say aliens. That would have been interesting. No, I'm fine with aliens. I'm think... afraid of space travel. You were afraid of space travel. And the other one travel. is self-driving cars. The other is self-driving cars. I actually must say that I am also afraid of self-driving cars, but that might just be a Michigan thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no reason. We just are. Yeah, no reason. Nah, g- semi, semi-industrial reason. Uh, we are. But, well, you know. No, I'm afraid of it because of uh, when I was, oh, how old was I? 11? I watched an episode of Doctor Who where they were self-driving cars that tried to kill everyone. So. It could also explain why you're afraid of tires. If you have a fear of tires, you may have watched the movie Rubber, which is about an evil tire that kills people through telekinesis. Well, I've uh, never seen that movie, so I am tire phobia free. There was an MYIG bill about it. <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Regardless, back to the space travel thing. This kind of got me thinking, you know, how possible is it to, you know, ter- not only colonize, but to terraform the moon? So... What does terraforming really mean? I guess one would ask. Terraforming would the terra. Exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> it's forming the lands to be, you know, more accessible to us. So we'd actually have to give the moon an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Which and like sounds it's really not hard. like the physical terrain itself, so which it's like it's flat, fine for building. But like we need to, you know, breathe and stuff. It, yeah. That's that's kind of logistical, but it's something we need to do. Uh, yeah. And something that's actually interesting is that it's actually easier to terraform the terraform Mars than it is to terraform the moon. Is it because Mars has already has more of an existing atmosphere or uh, that that's part of the reason, but the other reason is that if we terraformed Mars, Mars what you could do is you could just melt the ice caps. Because if you melt oh. the ice caps it'll release a ton of carbon. Mm-hmm. And that will form the basis of an atmosphere. So the atmospheric challenge that you would face, you know, colonizing Mars would be... Oh, you can hear the thunder outside. Uh, I can't, if that makes you feel any better. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm sorry, I had a little bit of heartburn there. Uh, regardless, when you're looking at the amount of water vapor, you're actually seeing that... If you're looking at it just from that point, the easiest planet to colonize, and, you know, hold on to your hat here is Venus. Venus. Uh, it's it's really hot, though, so I wouldn't do it there, but... Eh, just send all the other people who live in Arizona there. I mean, you know, maybe. No, they'd probably say it was too cold. Uh, <laughs> uh, Arizona. I'm sorry, Arizona. We, we love you, Arizona. Uh, but atmosphere. Atmosphere. When you're looking at an atmosphere, what you're going to see is that you're going to have a future build. Anything that you have will be washed into space unless you get... A magnetosphere, which is something you would need. And the Japanese scientists are actually looking into a way to build a system of refrigerated latitudinal superconducting rings carrying a sufficient amount of direct current. So basically that means they want to magnetize Mars Hmm. to give it, you know, a magnetic, you know, shield like the Earth has. That way. Yeah. So although you may not think about the magnetic shield that much, what's important for that is it, you know, it helps with the whole, you know, death rays coming from the sun. You know. That's what blocks the yeah the death rays. I'm just going to call them that. I feel like it's, it is important to consider logistics, but it's more important to consider, you know, why. This is, this is true. And uh, I feel like it comes from, like, stems from two things. Either, like, overpopulation or climate concerns. Overpopulation, uh, it would probably be climate concerns, because I am not sold on overpopulation at all. I can no. t- oh, wow, that was cool. There was a big thing of lightning that I just saw outside. But regardless, Ooh. overpopulation, there's only one reason that overpopulation is not a concern for me. 
Did you hear the thunder that time? No, I didn't. Okay, good. Uh, but overpopulation is not a concern for me because you could give every single person on Earth a 10,000 square foot piece of land to live on and every single person in the world. And do you know how much space that would take up? What? The size of the state of Alaska. Mm. And So like, Alaska is really big, but yeah, it's not as big as I, the whole world. I live in the UP and I live in a, it's, I live in a giant forest, essentially. There are, there are so many trees. So many trees. Is it overpopulated? <laughs> With trees? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. We, like, such a small population. Like, we have, like, room, you know? Yeah. I, I've never been sold an overpopulation, so maybe perhaps climate concerns, you know, maybe a while. But I would say the primary reason that I would like to is just because, and I know this sounds stupid, but I really think that we need to begin... Uh, space colonization just for the purpose of if we ever find aliens, we don't want to be really far behind. And this is actually something my... Oh, that's so valid. It's... Okay, but, uh, okay. I talked to my astronomy teacher, and you know what he actually theorizes? He theorizes that we're the first ones. And that's why no aliens have contacted us yet. Is because we are the first ones. We're the first civilization. Because no matter how unlikely that seems... You know, there are, there's so many galaxies out there. There's a galaxy bigger than ours right next to us. It's called the Andromeda Spiral. It's huge. It's like one and a half times the size of the Milky Way. And it's filled with whole other planets and everything. And so I would find that, you know, just a little bit, you know, disturbing. But I think yeah, we might be the first ones. And if you look at it from like a theistic standpoint, like, I mean, then it's not. The Bible never mentions any other like races, so we're we're most likely the first. The first, exactly. The only. Well, you know, but, we, we there's a, I think it's very likely that we you know we could be the only, but I think that if we were to find aliens, they're not going to be humanoids. They're going to be like grasshoppers. We're gonna find like space moss, and it's to not a certain. Not that important. To a certain extent, I like I kind of want to believe in aliens since I'm a really big Star Trek fan. But we will find no Klingons. I am sorry. No, <laughs> you ruined my dream. Don't worry. Okay, fine. We all compensate. We may, maybe we'll find Vulcans to compensate. Hey, there's a city in the UP called Vulcan. Okay, so. then I guess you already have them. So I guess we don't need to find any. Uh, yeah. Regardless, although you know the you know the uh, the logistics of the planet Vulcan don't work. I had to I had to go I, I had to look up this because long story short, back to the astronomy class. We had to do a project where we coded a whole solar system in a program. Oh wow. And what I learned how to do is I learned how to do that, but I also learned that the planet Vulcan's specifics don't work. The planet would just like float away. <laughs> uh so Bye. unless they just figured out a way to just keep it there, which you know, I don't put it past the Vulcans, but it would have to stay there. Uh you know, kind of in the same vein, I think that it's important to colonize Mars specifically for the fact that I think we need kind of, you know how you, there's obviously a hole in a tea kettle to make the steam go out or else the whole thing explodes. I feel like that's kind of how the earth is. That, and, and we're kind of lacking that, you know, tea kettle spout. And we're getting, and the water is starting to boil. I mean, you can tell, you know, there's a lot of conflict worldwide. A lot of people mm -hmm. aren't getting along. 
Well, I mean, there's already a hole in the ozone layer. Why can't, like, all, like, the bad climate stuff just go through there? I mean, uh, who knows? Who knows is the real question. But, you know, I think what it comes to, uh, it's interesting, though, because China, there's the giant, the holes in the ozone layer all come from China. So, thanks, China. (laughs) Ripping holes in the, like, you know what's interesting is that the, the thing that I always find funny, and this is on a little bit of a tangent, but I don't care. Uh, is when all the rich people in the world and all the rich and powerful leaders fly to Davos, Switzerland on their private jets to talk about how eating, a, uh, I don't know, something from the dollar menu causes climate change. Mm. I always start laughing when they do that because they all come in on, you know, their gasoline or jet fuel powered private jets one at a time flying in talking about how, you know, I don't know, Joe Smith down in, I don't know, Virginia is going to end the world because he eats a Big Mac once a week. Uh, yeah, and I, not the sold biggest on problem it. is like a lot of like climate responsibility is placed on like the every like the average person when really like it's you know big corporations oh, you know, cause most of like the emissions. And I, and, and I feel like a lot of people who are climate deniers the re- the reason that is is because often they live in places that aren't that affected by it because you know yeah rural areas like, because you know and, and as a suburbanite and you as somebody who lives in a more rural area. We actually take pretty good good care of our environment around here. Like, there are trees around here. We take care of them. We make sure they're not infected. We make sure they're not dying. You know, we take care of, we take care of everything around here. The cities, the companies are stationed there, and they're just spewing out crap into the air like there's no tomorrow. Like, the people who um who run those companies, like it, like there's a high profit gain. Like when you do those emissions, as a like as opposed to like you know greener practices that would likely like decrease output Mm -hmm. you know and even just in general american companies in america produce a lot less carbon than they do in china because of the regulations so we already have you know good regulations really good regulations in fact but we need to more production here if we're going to help the world overall and you know regardless about like how you feel about like you know greta thunberg i respect her because she practices what she preaches unlike a lot of people well I don't know how I feel about her yet. Well, I mean, I, I will give I will give her that she is stubborn and tenacious, and those are both admirable traits. But other other than that, I don't I don't know what else to say because I think she needs to yell more at China, yell more at China because China is the one that's doing it, not not the European countries. They they don't like have any industry left. Well, she, like what she's more trying to like call it you know, like a global action as opposed to like you know european countries yeah but she's i guess she's just got more press in europe uh yes regardless back to space which is where we were first uh space. that, that kind of the final frontier <laughs> i felt the need to do that uh you know just uh talking continuously about colonizing or terraforming mars uh, it's important because if we melted all of Mars's ice caps, this is interesting, we would actually get one-seventh of Mars's former oceans. Which, Aww. although doesn't sound like a lot, it is. It's a ton because they're oceans. Uh, and another weird thing that I actually learned, because people don't know this, and well, actually maybe people do know this. I didn't know this. Did you know that Mars is smaller than Venus? No. I, I kind of thought it was, you know, Mercury was really small, and yeah. then, you know, Venus Mercury, was bigger, and then Earth was Venus. bigger, and then Mars was smaller. I always thought Venus and Mars were about, like, about equal. Yeah, it turns out, like, Mars is, like, two-thirds of the size of Venus. Huh. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It made me really uncomfortable when I learned that. 
uh, just because I felt like, you know, a, a large part of my childhood education was a lie. Uh, Bring back Pluto's planetary status, 2K20! You know, you know, speaking on that point, actually, the, you know, the space convention, I'm not really sure what they're called, so I'm just going to call them the space convention. When they decided that, do you know what they did? This was really yeah. sneaky. They did it on the last day of the convention. Ooh. And almost half of the delegates had already left. So they had just enough to have a quorum. They had 51% present. And then oh, it, that's why, man. And then it passed barely in that. So really it was like 26% of the of the scientists there thought that they should disqualify Pluto. The rest had already left. And so when looking at that decision, they accidentally made the definition. And it's really hilarious. Our astronomy teacher showed us this. Under that same definition... Uh, Earth is not a planet. <laughs> Wait, how? Because it says it has, it has to have like cleared its neighborhood. What does that mean? It, it, there's there's like planetary neighborhood. There's some sort of weird definition. But under this definition, because of how big the moon is, Earth is not a planet. And because of the asteroid belt and how many moons it has, Jupiter might not be a planet. Uh, so bad definition. Uh, it's that reminds me of like you know like um the plucked chicken like behold a man sort of thing ah uh, yes uh you know just for our listeners you know catching on to that uh i forget what his name was i think it was diogenes Dion- diogenes walks into like one of aristotle's lectures because aristotle's like okay human is just a featherless biped and he g- goes up and he has a chicken that's completely plucked and he's like here it is a human a man. And, and aristotle's like Diogenes, this is the third time this week <laughs> that you've brought in a completely plucked chicken and interrupted one of my lectures. Also, you're not wearing any clothes. You're living in a barrel. Please go put on some clothes and stop plucking chickens in your free time. And then Diogenes what was do you like, have against you, man? and then Diogenes was just like, no. And then he walks out in his barrel and, and it rolls around in the street and plucks another chicken only to do the same thing tomorrow. Uh, historical fact yeah exactly weirdly enough actually i learned this in my philosophy class socrates might have not existed apparently plato might have just made up socrates to justify some thinking so that's like that that's always fun uh back to planets uh that reminds me actually is that we've always kind of assumed that we would someday get to the planets that's always been like even since ancient days they're like okay somewhere someday we're just gonna get up there yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the next, like, logical, like, step in the progression. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people wanted to. I mean, you look at, there was a French movie I called A Trip to the Moon. Uh, and it's where the moon is a face. And they, this is hilarious. They think how to get to the moon is launching themselves out of a bullet and a giant cannon. <laughs> and they think that they all have to wear lab coats on the moon. Uh, and they land in the moon's eye. I mean obviously and they have to fight off random space creatures it's in french but it's also silent uh so i I suggest you watch it wow it's an interesting movie it was shown to us for some reason in lower school in our computer science class oh well there you go i never understood why it was shown there but you know whatever uh back to you know the planets i think that it's, it's kind of interesting that i asked my you know i asked the same astronomy teacher. And I asked other people too, because I wanted to make sure he just wasn't being over-optimistic. I, I, But what you could do is you could actually build a lot of the vehicles, although not the technology, from Star Wars. Now, again, if you were given that requisite $10 billion. 
Star Wars? Yeah. You could build a lot of Star Wars ships if you were given that... Re- no, not 10 billion. 10 trillion, rather. If you were given that yeah. ne- necessary 10 trillion dollars, you could build, like, an Imperial Star Destroyer. And, huh. you, could, and you could then develop space weapons. There you go. Which I actually thought would be pretty cool, and now I have a burning desire to earn 10 trillion dollars, but... Like, hey, can I have 10, tr- t- 10 trillion dollars? Don't ask why. Uh, although, good motivation to become president in the future space colonization uh see like we already have space force we do have a space force i actually kind of like that he did that because i do i do want america to be more present in space i think that we (laughs) should start building bases on the moon and do you know why that's not crazy because there is there is a natural resource on the moon called helium-3 that can be used for energy okay but it's not crazy it's not crazy what counterpoint darn base force is a stupid waste of money we already spend too much on military and we don't need something that like is functionally useless for a very long time. ah counter counterpoint or as we know in the debate world rebuttal uh <laughs> the rebuttal to that is that considering we are spending a lot of money already on defense we need to make sure that all aspects are of our defensive capabilities are sound additionally Defense is 16% of the budget. Counter, is, counter, counterpoint. It is the third, I'm not the, it's only the third largest program in there. It's after Social Security and after other entitlements. It's 16% right there. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that's spent more effectively. So I agree, we can probably dismantle random bases across the world that we no longer use, that we spend billions of dollars on. However, I think what it's important to do is that on the world stage, we are going to start losing to Russia and China and other nations that are looking towards space if we aren't careful. Because think about it. The space race was a space race because both America and the Soviet Union, you know, were going right at it, trying to, you know, get up there first. If we're if they've started the game, if you know, if they've won the game before we started playing, it's gonna be bad. I don't wanna see space China. I don't wanna see space China. It sounds like a bad movie. Uh <laughs> I don't want China getting on the moon and stripping it of all of its natural resources before we get to the moon and not strip it of all its resources, but But make it strategic and develop clean energy out of it, which I'm sure we can. And we can use that as a launch pad to get to Mars and to eventually colonize Mars, hopefully, or to Venus and colonize Venus. Uh, Because humans actually have made a craft that's landed on Venus before. And do you know when that was? That was back in the 80s. Really? Yeah. The Soviets landed... uh, a craft successfully on Venus. Mm-hmm. So I thought I that th- that was pretty cool. I think we're like reaching an agreement here. <laughs> we're like, like I think like if we were to cut back on like military spending we have right now, and you know like remove the unnecessary bases, like we could feasibly you know do a space force, and you know that would be mm-hmm. acceptable. Like is like if we're not spending more than we are already. And I actually think the first part of our Space Force, and I know that this is where we're going to lose everybody because we sound crazy, is building and Okay, don't, don't, la- don't laugh. Save the laugh until after I finish the sentence. Okay. Uh, we need to build a space fleet. Okay. Okay, good. You didn't laugh. Uh, <laughs> we need to build a space... Oh, there it is. We need to build a space fleet because think about it. Space, we have to think about it like this. Space is the final frontier. Before the age of exploration, we, the frontier was the sea and the air. This is basically a conjunction of both the sea and the air. We still don't know what's in the sea. We don't know. We haven't had this whole sea, but I'm, I'm talking about on top of the sea. Uh, okay. 
But this is a conjunction. We need a conjunction now between the water and the air. And so that's basically going to be a space fleet because, you know, it'll have to have a lot of the, com you know, components of an airship, like a dirigible, but it'll also have to, you know, kind of not sail, but like it would be in the style of, you know, naval professionalism. You would need a space fleet. You'd need, you know, like a space destroyer, a space frigate, a space, you know, Corvette, a space PT boat, a space battleship. I don't know how a space aircraft carrier would work, but I'm sure somebody a will figure it out. space Prius. Uh, no, no space Prius. Uh, how would that even work? <laughs> there are no electric cars. Wait no... and determination. Uh, actually, it'd be interesting because I think like a nuclear a nuclear powered submarine actually might be a good basis for a space fleet because it would have to be it would have to be nuclear powered because the helium three on the moon you would need that kind of thing and I think we've lost all of our sane viewers by now. Uh, Bold of you to assume we even had sane viewers. Well, don't Earth. criticize the viewers. They haven't done anything wrong except watch this show. No, I'm kidding. Please stay here. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Please. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just kind of in that mode of thought, I think it would be necessary for us to get a space fleet. And you would have to have some big, big spaceships that, you know, people would think are ridiculous and kind of Star Wars-y. Or Star Trek-y. No. Yes. We don't think in that. I mean, I love Star Trek, but let's be honest here. The majority of people are going to think in terms of Star Wars, not Star well, Trek. Well, they're wrong. They they are wrong. I will admit that. Uh, but that also reminds me of the old, you know, the old saying. I don't remember. This is from a movie. It's like, here's $5. Go buy yourself a Star Wars. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that it's important to develop a space fleet. And I think we need blueprints and, you know, a whole office of space naval de or spaceship development. Uh, because we're actually going to need, the first thing we're going to have to build before we even build a space fleet is we're going to have to build a space port. Which is going to be a whole generational thing within itself. And, you know, maybe in the next 20 years we need to build something like that pretty quickly. But we'd need to give NASA and the Space Force. I don't know why they're separate things. We'd honestly, I think we should honestly combine NASA and the Space Force. Yes. Because it doesn't make sense to have them different. Because you need development. Space Force. Sponsored by NASA. Exactly. Well, sponsored by Tesla. Uh, and the government. And the government. Uh, so technically you, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, people underestimate this because we do have a lot of problems foreign policy wise and we do have a lot of problems domestically. But I think what we need to realize is that if we are going to continue to, you know, live on this planet, we need to realize that this planet's resources are not unlimited. Uh, yeah. we need to develop new modes of energy, not just because of the environment. You know, you can look at this entirely from economic reasons is that eventually, we're going to run out of everything, and we're going to need to develop new things. And do we want mm -hmm. other countries to get to it before we do, the United States? Or do we want to be the pioneers, as we always have been? You know, when it came to space, we were the first to get onto the moon. We should have been the first to stay there. We should have started establishing, laying down blueprints and everything like that. We just uh, kind of forgot about the moon. I mean, after the Soviet Union fell, it was kind of pointless. Because it was after the Soviet Union was gone, it's like, oh, huh, what do we do now? Uh, war on terror. Uh, war on drugs. Yeah, war on drugs, war on terror. I mean, it was honestly really good for American national unity to have yeah. a very specific enemy. And I think America's leaders, at least, have fallen asleep at the wheel when it comes to China. China's a lot more powerful and a lot more threatening than we could ever have imagined the Soviets being. And so mm -hmm. we can't let them get ahead in this Space Race 2.0. I am declaring it. Space Race 2.0. The Chinese are actually winning. So I'm I'm firing the starter gun. Bang. The race has begun. May the best America win. Uh, 
Yeah, really. Uh, America, we got we to gotta get on this. You know, after the whole coronavirus thing is over, though, but, you know. We need something fun. I get I, it. It's both fun and, like, a national survival thing. But fun. It is fun. But I would also say it's a national survival thing because yeah. looking at, you know, how things are going to progress, who controls the, you know, the next frontier is going to control the future. Oh, I'm going to counterpoint myself there, actually, because I don't want anyone else to. I get it. The first people to explore things aren't often the people to keep them, like the Portuguese and the Spanish with the New World. The important thing and the important difference, I would say, is that there's nobody on the moon. <laughs> there are already people. Yep. Take away land that never belongs to anyone in the first place. Yeah, there, in, in the Spanish had to deal with the native population, which they treated brutally, and the Portuguese oh. just didn't care. Yeah. The Portuguese were just like, we're here. Huh. What do we do now? Um, do you want some spices? Sure. Now hold this Portuguese flag. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how they did it. And then the the English were actually the one who moved in and stayed there. That's why we all speak English right now. Yeah. And not, you know, French or, I don't know, Portuguese, Portuguese. or Spanish. I mean, we, we speak Spanish. I can speak most. I can speak a fair bit of Spanish. Uh but not because Spain won the colonization wars or anything. Uh, I guess in a way, I gotta say, in a way, I guess they did because think about it: all of Latin and Central America speaks, you know, all of Latin America is called Latin America because they speak Spanish. So Spain did leave that lasting impact: is that all of South America except Brazil and Central America speak Spanish. Brazil speaks Portuguese, and so I guess they really did leave a lasting impact. And that'd be weird to think about it if America colonized the moon and Mars and then, you know, 200 years, 300 years later, something you know bad happens to us and there are all these countries on the moon and Mars and they all speak English. Mm. Although it would be kind of weird because they'd be definitely separate dialects by then, which would probably really annoy us. And the only, the only thing is, is, and this is the bright side of something and also kind of a weird thing to think about and not a weird thing, a good thing, I suppose, is that soon as we discover aliens, I think racism will pretty much stop really not not immediately but i think what will happen is if there's another intelligent race of beings at that point there'd be like human nationalism (laughs) you know what i mean Um, there's only one race well because people because people would be saying you know and you know almost rightfully so that you know we are humans and we will not be you know crushed or subjugated or otherwise subdued by this foreign race of aliens that has, you know, just found us. All right. We are humans and we're better than you, so. Exactly. We'd get human nationalism. Man. Uh, I mean, think about it. I mean, especially if we're, if we're the ones to get found, we're dead. We cannot be the first ones to get found. We're going to find you. I mean, because think about it. What, what happened to, you know, the Aztecs and the Mayans? The good news is, though, we have more diseases. The reason the Aztecs and the Mayans... <laughs> the Aztecs and the Mayans didn't survive because they didn't have any livestock. The only livestock they had were llamas. But do you know why that's important? Bring the aliens are diseased! But do you know why that's important? It's because, you know, whooping cough came from pigs, and a lot of the diseases of the old world came from the livestock. They only had one livestock animal in North America, and that gave Europe syphilis, which actually did... A number on Europe, and that was just one disease. But there was no, you know, American plague. But we have so many diseases on Earth. 
that hopefully their medicine can't counter that as soon as we cough on them and as soon as they cough on us, they'll take it back to their planet and, you know, a ton of them will die and then we'll take this on our planet and a ton of them. So that would prevent them. Like, if there was a plague that came from America that was as harsh as smallpox and they brought it back to Europe, there would be no colonization like there was in our timeline. Oh, man, yeah. But, so hopefully the aliens, whenever they come, or hopefully we find them first and we have better yeah. medical technology. But that's why coming for you. Another reason that we should also find more planets is because we need to make sure that our, the human race continues. Because think about it, I, I I hate to be the you know bringer of doom and gloom, but think about you know think about all the crazy people in our world who are leaders that have access to nukes, like Kim Jong Un. He has nuclear weapons. Vladimir Putin has nuclear weapons. Saudi Arabia has nuclear weapons. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. Iran might have a nuclear weapon. Iraq doesn't have any nuclear weapons. But, uh, and you know, just thinking about that. And that the Pakistani government could someday be overthrown by the Taliban, just like the Afghani government was. So, thinking about it, there are all sorts of non-state actors or, you know, despots that could have nukes, that could acquire nukes in the future that we don't think about. And thinking about that, we have to think beyond, you know, what is great for the species. And humanity would be best if it were to move also to other planets. And I think that would be interesting because I feel like there would actually be kind of a class system eventually. Because if, if the aliens found us, then obviously, you know, we'd kind of unite as a people. But if we if people start being born on other planets, then we're going to have prejudices against those people. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, you were born on the moon. Was born on Venus? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. People will be like, "Oh, you're from Venus." Like, it'll it'll be in, it'll be interesting because I think that humans born on Earth will have some sort of weird superiority about themselves. Like, you know, looking at the caste system in Latin America, thinking they had a different class for Spaniards that were born in the New World versus Spaniards who were born in Spain and then moved there. They they were different classes. They were different on the social hierarchy, and yeah. so we're gonna have that kind of thing too, and. It's going to be interesting. It'll be kind of strange. It'll definitely be bad. It'll be wrong, just as it was back then and just as it is today that we're going to have that kind of system. But it's interesting to think about. It's certainly interesting. Hopefully we move beyond that. Hopefully we can all unite as, you know, humans. Uh, but also, weirdly enough, and I don't like this either because my, you know, astronomy teacher mentioned this, is that when we develop cities on other planets and when those other planets, you know, start getting a large population, so let's just say... Years 2075, okay? Mm-hmm. And the moon has reached a population of 5 million. Okay. That's weird. I don't like That's thinking so- about that. Uh, and thinking about that, you'd also have to realize that new political ideologies will be made up. We are, not, we are not at the end of the political spectrum. It will continue to expand as humans have more thoughts. Because thinking about it, think about it. As we think more. Exactly. But think about it. Communism came around in the 1860s. Okay. Fascism came around in the early 1900s. Okay. Those are relatively new, like history-wise. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was just like monarchies and tribes. They're going to think of more governmental ideologies than we can even comprehend. Oh, man. Which I don't like at all. They're going to have all new things that we can't think about. And they're going to develop their own cultures. They're going to develop their own heritage. It's going to be strange. Their own accents. Yes, their own accents, which segues into our next topic because we only have like 10 minutes or I don't know. We're going to try to keep it short. So like 10, 15 minutes. 
before the show, we were talking about accents. Because mm-hmm. my red over here is a youper. Yes, I'm basically a foreigner. Exactly. And so in the Upper Peninsula versus the Lower Peninsula, they we, we apparently have accental differences. Like, it's not stereotypically... Like, the Youpers are portrayed as, like, basically Canadians. But that's, like, that's not usually, like, true. We talk very similarly to, like, the rest of the Midwest. But there are, like, there are differences. So you're just, you're just going to say right now that you're not a Canuck. You deny any Canuckle heritage. Uh, but, you know, looking at it, the Upper Peninsula, it says... Apparently, in the Upper Peninsula, they say, I'm going to go by your house to mean I'm going to come by your house. Uh, repeat the Uber phrase. Uh, they said, I'm going to go by your house to mean I'm going to yeah. come by your house. Yeah. It's interesting. In some cases, you don't use the word to. Like, I'm going store. We went, that's not. That's we, hardly a thing. We went mall. That's That's not really a thing. Uh, so I'm glad that you don't do that. Uh, yeah, but like going by someone's house, that's a normal thing. Uh, what about it, it instead of, instead of it came untied, apparently people in the upper peninsula say it come undone or it come untied. No. Or, or use. Oh yeah. Use guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, No. I don't I don't say that, but like that's that's a thing. But you know people who say that. Yeah, I've heard it in passing. You've heard people use use. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not it's not that much different. Uh frankly a, I prefer brethren, but you know. Apparently you say towards in favor over toward. Yeah. Towards. Uh, which is weird because I also use that, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. Ha! <laughs> Youper. No. I think that might just be a Michigan thing. Uh, so I'm actually going to look up what what is the what do they call the Michigan accent then because that's the Uper accent so Michigan accent. Oh yeah. Also, you, the word that we talked about before, before we started. Sauna. Sauna. Sa- it is not sauna. It's sauna. But you're you're no. probably right because there are so many Finns up there. I assume that the Finns would know how to pronounce it. Yeah. So. Michigan accent. What? Let's. Okay, I'd like to know Michigan accent. The third most googled thing is annoying. <laughs> I resent. <laughs> I resent that comment. <laughs> uh, apparently, people are interested in how Michiganders talk. So, inland Northern American accent. So that's kind of all the way from Syracuse to Cedar Rapids. So, you've got your own Wikipedia page, and we have to be grouped in all the way from. Actually, this is actually great. All the way from Rhode Island to South Dakota. With a random colony in like St. Louis. Uh, So how are they going to criticize me? All right, lay it on me, Wikipedia. Apparently I say crayfish. And I do say crayfish. Crawdad. That's a southern thing. Uh, My dad like is like slightly southern. What about faucet? Yeah, faucet. Okay, apparently people in the South say spigot. Uh, no. We say pop. That is correct. 
Yes. Anyone else who says it is wrong. Uh, it's... This is interesting. Oh, no. I didn't know this. We say rummage sale, and we do say rummage sale. Yeah. But the... What? I, I use rummage sale, garage sale, and yard yard sale interchangeably. I gotta say this. I always think of a rummage sale as something bigger. Yeah. Like, garage sale and yard sale feel very homey, but like a rummage sale, like, everything must go. Also, apparently, we say teeter-totter, and, and most people apparently say seesaw. Well, I refuse. I, mean... I refuse. Teeter-totter. Apparently we say Mary, Mary, and Mary the same way because they're pronounced the same way. How do you... I've never been able to wrap my head around that. How do you say them differently? I, I don't know. I have no I... idea. It's Mary, Mary, and Mary. It Apparently some people say Mary, Mary, and... I don't know. Mary, M- Murray. Maybe people say Murray. Murray. I don't... No, I hate that so much. Uh... Apparently they're incu- accusing us of speaking like Canadians. Now now we're all getting lumped in. Oh, no. Uh, working class th- stopping. Two sounds represented by spelling th- as in thin as in those. Uh, I don't even know what this means. Urban working class speakers, for example, thin may appear in the sound of tin. And those, Oh, that's only for urbanites, though. We don't. I'm not an urbanite. Okay, question. Do you say data or data? data i i use them both but they mean different things i use data if i'm in stats class i say data yeah, if data I'm is like a set of information data is what's on your phone like what you use uh i guess That's so not uh our sounds are particularly retroflex or perhaps more accurately a bunched molar so apparently we say rotic what? I, I don't even know i don't know let's see English example words. Bath, trap, man. Blah, bother, father, lot, top, wasp. I don't get it. Yeah. I found a list of words that, like, are tend to be different over accents. I would actually... One second, because I want to see this one thing just before you do. Yeah. Okay. Apparently... It's actually interesting. Apparently, there's a random colony... The, the accent kind of skips over Chicago, but it comes back alive in Peoria, Springfield, and St. Louis. Now go on. All right. Um, okay. Wash. Wash. Yeah. Just tell me if you say it like the same or differently. Than I, 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 I have to say one thing. My grandfather, who was born in New Jersey, says wash. <laughs> See? But it's very, it's very slight, though. because And I can yeah. tell it when I say it that because... Every single, you know, when I was little, I would spend every weekend with my grandparents. I have a very, very minor R that if you listen there, it's still there. Wash. You can hear oh, it really. Yeah. It's, it's faintly in there. And I've yeah. noticed that when you'd said it, actually. But that's, that's definitely wise because he says right. wash and I say wash. Oil. Oil. Theater. Theater. Do you say like theater or theater? Theater. Theater. Like two theater. syllables. Theater. 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 Oh, no. I have an elevated A there. I just noticed that. Yeah, I, I do the three. Theater. 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 Sure. Sure. Oh, so you do, like, the, the more, like, the ooh sound. It has to be. An, there's a silent H in sure. I'm 99% sure that. 
You don't you don't say sure, but I say it like sure, and you you say sure. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, I do like the more like flat U sound. And then uh, data we already talked about. Yep. Uh, ruin. Ruined. No, it's just ruin with without the ed. Oh, ruin. Yeah. I say it like R O O N. Ruin. Yeah. Ruin. Or crayon. Crayon. Oh, you do you do the two. Yeah, crayon. It's not crayon. It's not. It is too crayon. It's not C R A A N. It's crayon. There's a Y in there. Crayon. Crayon. Um, let's see. Uh, syrup. Syrup. Uh, ant. Ant. Yeah, like A U N T. Oh, ant. That's still ant. Yeah. Unless we're in the south, and then it is aunt. I like. I tend to like use ant and aunt interchangeably. I, I sometimes do, sometimes, mm-hmm. but sometimes not. It, it, it's a whole I, thing. I never, like, say, like, 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 Aunt Becky. I would say, I would say Aunt Becky, but, like, I sometimes say, like, you know, like, my, my aunt, she, like, did this. But I don't refer to someone as, like, Aunt something. Yes. Um, Roof? Roof. So, I, sometimes I get lazy and, said, and I say rough, but, like, you know. Roof. I'd like to note that on the Wikipedia page for North Central American English, it goes down from anglo frisian which is great. Uh, let's see. R-O-U-T-E, root. Root? You mean R? Yeah. Like, like a tree root? No, like the other one. You mean like the name? I, I said it in the chat. You mean... Oh, you mean route. Yeah, root. <laughs> Well, it depends on the context, because I'm talking about, you know, it was, you know, it was a route, as in like a mass retreat, then I would say route. But if I was talking about a road, then I would say route. Like Route 66, or it was a complete route. I I don't think I've ever used it in like the, the second context. You've never used but... it in the military term? No. <laughs> I know, I'm an uncultured swan. <laughs> Um, salmon. Salmon. Caramel. Caramel. You're one of those people. No, I'm actually neither because I say caramel. I don't say caramel and I don't say caramel. I say caramel. You're the worst. Caramel. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> you combined the one word. You just said New Orleans. That's how the, it's New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, pecan pecan or pecan it's not pecan you did you did it a third way you said pecan i said pecan and you said pecan so we now have three different pronunciations yeah uh both both again actually sometimes i'll say both yeah i do too you said again again yeah again 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 (laughs) You see, I feel like I have a bunch of accidental troubles for one reason. One, fifth grade, actually, second grade and fifth grade, mm-hmm. I had a teacher who was from England. Oh. And so now I spell, I spell color with a U. Mm. And uh, I see. And and including the New Jersey thing, I'm sure my accent is just kind of all weird. Uh, um. Let's see, what's that? Uh, probably. Probably. Uh, yeah, see, like... My words go lazy sometimes, so like, and it's a Uber thing. Ah, uh, yes, because all Ubers are lazy. No, I'm kidding. 
Uh, lawyer. Lawyer or liar? <laughs> it's because my, uh, my sister's going to be a liar. I mean lawyer. Coupon? Whatever. Coupon. It's not coupon. Coupon? coupon? What's a coupon? Coupon. I don't know coupon. exactly what a coupon is. It's a coupon. Coupon. Uh, see, mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. If if I'm if, if I'm trying to pronounce it, it's mayonnaise. But if I'm like past, I'll, if I'm if I'm at the dinner table, I'll just say mayonnaise. Yeah. But, but I have I, there still is a slight Y that you can hear if I say it, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. There's a little white slight it's Y. It's similar to like crayon. You just I cut out the Y. I I if I'm speaking informally, I will cut out like a slight. It'll be a slight Y, just like I did the R and wash. Yeah. See, uh, pajamas. Hmm. I I don't pajamas. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Pajamas. Mm-hmm. See, uh, caught. Oh no! Which one? C a u g h d. Caught. Yeah. Uh, naturally. Naturally. Aluminum. Aluminium. No. No, not really. It's it's aluminum. It is not yeah. aluminium, but I uh, felt the need to say that. Envelope. Envelope. No. Envelope. You disgust me. <laughs> um, Envelop. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, water. Water. Uh, naturally. We already did that one. Oh, yeah, we did. Sorry. Uh, Le natural. Naturally. Um, let see. And then uh, doorknob. Doorknob. And, uh, all right. Also, I have a friend from Wisconsin who calls, um, drinking fountains bubblers. Why? That's how it is. It's also called a water fountain. Drinking fountain. What are you drinking? Water. It's a water fountain. No! (laughs) It doesn't just sit there. You drink from it. So it's a drinking fountain. Yeah, but you're not drinking. You're not, like, letting the taps flow. It's, It's a water fountain. No. It's not a speakeasy. It's a water fountain. <laughs> Are there any more words on that list? Because that's fun. <laughs> that is so fun. But um. Are there no more words? No. Uh, a, I also like the ones um that are like what do you call things like when you throw toilet paper on someone's house? What's it called? TPing. Yeah. Uh, what do you call like? A sandwich that you get at Subway. Uh, sometimes a submarine sandwich. That's how I was originally taught. I was originally taught so submarine. I was taught submarine sandwiches uh, because my dad's a chef. So sometimes, I'll, most of the time, I'll say sub. Uh, yes, yeah, sub. If you say hoagie, you're wrong. No, it's not hoagie. But if I am in New Orleans, it is a po' boy, which I learned. That I am very specific, though. A po' boy for me has to be specifically with shrimp on it. Deep fried shrimp is that that's a po' boy. What but they call all sub sandwiches in New Orleans, or specifically Norlands, which is how they pronounce it there. Uh by the way, I did want to tell you that uh, a part of the history of my family is literally the Beverly Hillbillies. Do you know why? You know why? Because a lot of the family history, a lot of it comes from a small town in Missouri known as Campbell and Dunklin, which are mm-hmm. right near the Arkansas border. Until they found oil, and then they moved to California, Ooh. to Bakersfield, 
which is right around Beverly Hills. So they are basically the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, Love that. So, you know, moving from rural Arkansas, rural Um, Missouri. What do you call shoes that you wear for, like, athletic activity? Mm, Tennis shoes. Sneakers. Or running shoes. I don't know. Running shoes, tennis shoes, sneakers. Like, I I use tennis shoes and sneakers, like, interchangeably, but I usually say sneakers. Um, what do you put on top of a cake? Frosting. Yeah, frosting. But Uh, colloquially, I'll say icing. I will say that is the icing on the cake. But if I'm talking about a a literal cake, I won't say icing. I'll say frosting. I I generally think of, like, icing as, like, what, like, the detail work on it. Yeah. I can see Uh, that. What do you put groceries in? A grocery bag. Yeah. Uh, Actually. What uh, do other people say? I'm interested now. A stack or a poke. A what? A poke. A poke. Yeah, it's a, a poke is southern. Oh. The South has so many interesting colloquialisms. Like, he looks happier than a dead pig in the sunshine. <laughs> oh, I I found the um, drinking fountain one. And... Um... Ooh, you mean what water is fountain? what's that bug that rolls into a ball when you touch it? Uh, either a roly poly or a pill bug. I only see roly poly. Roly polies are hardly like a thing anymore. No, no, you just don't. We people, we just don't go. We're not kids anymore, so we don't go outside and pick them up as much. I've never seen a roly poly. You've never seen a roly poly. No. I used to see roly poly because I used to go outside a lot and dig in the dirt. Uh, and this is and this is terrible, and I shouldn't say this, but I, I always used to like to kill the ants because the ants would always eat the roly polies, and I always thought roly polies looked nice because they, you know they were kind of cool. But the roly polies would always or not the roly polies, the ants would always eat the roly polies and the worms. So I really hated the ants because they weren't like the nice, you know, not nice, but they weren't like the carpenter ants that were kind of interesting to look at. They were really like the teeny tiny mean little ants. And so I was like, can you stop eating the worms? I l- the worms look nice. The worms are nice creatures. They are just trying to dig and make the grass look better. It is time for the ants to die. And then the... And this is my least favorite part of the season is when the ants got wings. I didn't like that at all. Oh, no, that's the worst. All right, last word. How do you pronounce horrible? Horrible. You do the A. Horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's not horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. No! Horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Uh, okay. Horrible. I'm realizing it now because my sister said that we do in the Midwest have an elongated A, and I guess it's true uh, because I did I did just say horrible. I didn't say horrible. But I don't say hacky. I don't say hacky. I'm never going to say hacky. It's hockey. Uh, it's a drinking fountain. You mean a water fountain? You, I know what I said, and I know that I'm right. Well, I don't know what's coming out of your fountain, but what's coming out of my fountain is water. <laughs> It's water, because we're good people down here in the Look, lower peninsula. At least we're not bubbler people. That's a good point. Uh, now we gotta, I gotta think of another song to play for the outro. I, I said um, Mars from the Planets. So. Oh, that's actually a good idea, because we did talk about planets. See? Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, so, you know, thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Diatribe. I'm sure it was as compelling as... The last episode. Just people arguing over how words are said. This is true. And, and, you know, colonization of other planets. So, yeah. 
So enjoy Mars from the planets just for a few minutes as we exit this episode. Remember to like, subscribe, sorry, like, subscribe, and share this annoyingly with your friends and neighbors. Thank you. And we will, you will hear from us tomorrow.